Faith with Nael Pondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. Good evening and welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondona, here on SFM, leading the conversation. It's a one-hour program, theoretically. So we take your calls from the beginning of the program. If you'd like to join the conversation, you're welcome to do so. Our question for tonight, why do extremists choose Islam? Why do extremists choose Islam? Take note, our focus is on extremism that has been expressed through the faith of Islam. You'll find that many many terrorists choose a variety of faiths but we have seen an upsurge of terrorists and extremists all in the name of Islam almost as though they believe Islam is the best expression of extremism and terrorism why is that why do they choose Islam now as a student of Islam as a student of faith I have come to realize that very little can be found that can be mistaken for an unholy war. Take note, unholy, because jihad, as some people use to use the term, doesn't only mean just that. But then again, you discover that people do unholy things all in the name of jihad. When you look at the Quran, hardly ever do you find suicide bombing, murder of unarmed Uncom- non-combatants and yet they always use words like jihad they always use phrases like Allah as though there is any correlation or relation between their acts and Islam so that's why we're asking the question why do extremists choose Islam it really bothers many Muslims and it bothers me as a student of these faiths because when you listen to people using Cliches, cheap cliches like not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. You realize that there's abundance of ignorance out there because they are overlooking the fact that there are many other terrorists who are not Islam or Muslims. They do not submit to the very same teachings documented in the Holy Quran. Then again, it begs the question. If you read the Quran and perhaps you want to go out there and read the Hadith as well, you don't find all this nonsense about suicide bombing and killing non-combatants, killing people outside the prescripts of holiness. When actually you look at the acts that have been dubbed terrorism, they are far, far from jihad, far. When you look at the actual definition of jihad, it doesn't mean murder people. Why then do terrorists use and choose Islam? That's our question for tonight. I'm Nayla Ponon. This is Facts of Faith. Facts of Faith begins right now. You're listening to Facts of Faith on SAFM. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or of that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. 
you. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Facts of Faith begins right now. Facts of Faith on SAFM. Let me introduce you to our guest for tonight. You're listening to Facts of Faith, by the way. Thank you very much for tuning in and making us your early evening listening experience. We do this every day. No, no, every Sunday, rather. All right, since I've told you what our question is, now let me introduce you to the guests who will be trying to navigate our way through this conversation. We do have uh, on the line both of our guests, by the way, Mulana Sayed Aftabahaider, National Director of Akhlubait Foundation of South Africa, who represents Shia Muslims or the Muslim community here in South Africa. Good evening to you, Mulana, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you. Also, we have Yusuf Ismail, no stranger to the program. He's an attorney at the Legal Aid Board and a member of the Islamic Propagation Center International, the IPCI. He's currently studying for a degree in theology at the Northwest University. Good evening to you, Yusuf, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us again. Good evening, Naya, and thank you, and uh, condolences to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to do that. <laughs> I certainly had to do that. All right, I'm not even going to delve into that. All right, um, we had, by the way, just a matter of note for those who are listening and wondering, why did I mention the fact that Mulana is uh, uh, representing, or at least is here on behalf of the Shia Muslims? It is because we had invited a guest who's going to be speaking on behalf of the Sunni Muslims. And that is a very important part in this conversation because you notice that many uh, Muslim members of the community have this tendency of pinpointing the fact that this is not my brand of Islam, almost as though it is divided. But that's not what we are interested in. We're interested in establishing from the authorities of the faith if there is a legitimacy to the claim that Shia Muslims are different from Sunni Muslims or the practice of Shia Islam is different to the practice of Sunni Islam because, after all, we are all assuming that they are all listening and submitting to the very same Allah. And that's why we had invited the guest. He agreed, but then this afternoon I received word from a producer that he has pulled out because he received calls and text messages objecting to him coming onto the radio. I don't know why, but that's what happened. So please not feel like we have chosen one and not the other. We are for or against the other. That is not the case at all. Anyways, let's get down to it. So our question for tonight, and by the way, please dial right now if you'd like to join in the conversation, is why do extremists choose Islam? Your opinion there, Yusuf. Why do you think extremists use Islam? Well, just uh, there's a number of points. Firstly, I just need to basically clarify is that the Quran, as you quite correctly articulated, does not in fact advocate or condone terrorism. Uh, God in the Quran is consistently portrayed as a God of mercy and compassion. Every chapter of the Quran begins with a reference to God's mercy and compassion. And throughout the Quran, Muslims are in fact reminded to be merciful and just. In fact, in Surah 2, chapter 2, verse 208, you have a passage which tells believing people, oh, you believe, enter absolutely into peace completely. Do not follow in the footsteps of Satan. You have another passage which says that verily anyone who slays a human being 
um, is as if he has slayed all humanity. And if anyone saves the life of any human being, it's as if he has saved the lives of all humanity. Now, the question you want to ask is, why do extremists, in fact, choose Islam? Um, I think it's a bit of a dangerous simplification to say that, because in history you've had extremists in all religious varieties. Even in the secular ideology, if you look at the 20th century, you have had secular, the, the major wars in the 20th century have been as a result of secular ideology. But a number of analysts have tried to look at the question which you've raised, which is quite clearly important. One of them is Mark Sagement. He's a 61-year-old born Polish psychiatrist. He worked with the Afghan Mujahideen in the 1980s, and he wrote a book called Understanding Terror Networks and Understanding Extremism. And in it, he basically looked at the motivation behind many people who choose the extremist route. And what he said is that religion has a role, but it's a role of justification. In other words, it's not what they, why they do this or why young people go there. For example, when you look at ISIS members, he mentioned that a lot of them who join ISIS or Al-Qaeda are using religion to advance a political vision rather than using politics to advance a religious vision. And so in order to give themselves a degree of legitimacy, they use Islam for their justification. But in actual fact, it's not about religion. It's about identity. You identify with the victims just like bin Laden, what they would do is that they would misappropriate legitimate political grievances. And so if you look at a lot of the pronouncements of the extremists, a lot of them focus on, for example, um, legitimate political grievances, but they misappropriate it. If you look at Didier Francois, he was captured by ISIS and kept for a period of 14 months. And in an interview that he did with um, Christiana Mantour, the noted uh, journalist, when he questioned what was the motivating factor behind ISIS members when they kept him in captivity, he made a remarkable statement. He said they didn't even know that they didn't even have a copy of the Quran. And when he was interacting with these individuals, he found that, that there was never really a discussion about texts. It was not a religious discussion. According to him, it was more of a political discussion. More importantly, Naya, when you look at the MI5 in um, 2008, there was a classified briefing note on radicalization. And this was subsequently obtained by the Guardian newspaper in the United Kingdom. And they made the following observation, that far from being religious zealots, a large number of those involved in acts of terrorism do not, in fact, even practice their faith regularly. Many lack religious literacy and could be regarded as religious novices. And, and in conclusion on that report, it in fact noted that the disproportionate number of converts had a high propensity for drug-taking, drinking alcohol, and visiting prostitutes before they, in fact, engage in this extremist notion. And if you look at some of these people, the Kwaki brothers in the Charlie Hebdo killing, uh, the Manchester bomber, um, even Jihadi John, the individual who was infamous for beheading the uh, journalist you know, in, in, um, in Iraq, a lot of these individuals don't come with a particularly sound religious background. And in fact, what a lot of political analysts are now saying that, in fact, a well-established religious identity, knowledge of your faith, understanding of the text, not engaging in the atomistic interpretation of the text, all of this will in fact prevent you from going down the route of extremism. Because where do people get radicalized? Not in a mosque, more often than not online. And you have that a lot of the recruits on the dark web are basically taking people in and, in fact, are using them as pure, pure puppets and tools to advance their particular warped agenda and ideology. And, of course, to give it some sort of legitimacy, you can say, well, look, it's a jihad. It's okay. a, a legitimate struggle. All right. Coach it in religious terms, but, in fact, there's absolutely nothing 
to substantiate this Yusuf? more perverse ideology um, on the basis of any scriptural right. text Yusuf? or mandate. I'm going to remind you once again that we have only one hour, and so sure. please be as brief and succinct in your replies as possible. When we come back, I want to bring the Bulana into the conversation to hear his stance. Stand by. No, 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 no. I can Not again. But I'm trying, my love. Well, you need to get help. Are you struggling to get things started in your relationship? At Men's Clinic, we have the expertise to help you reignite the spark. SMS help to 32110 or WhatsApp us on 072-315-2574. Men's Clinic International, for help with your relationship difficulties. Woo! <laughs> yes! That's my man! This Thursday on Presenter Search on 3. With the top 10 revealed, it's time to take on their first challenge. Contestants present a travel segment and the pressure is on as they battle it out for the judges' approval. Catch all the drama with Presenter Search on 3. Thursday nights at 8.30 on SABC3. Repeat Saturdays at 12 midday. On the next episode of The Man Cave, Alex finds the beautiful island of Mallorca all too familiar. We've got the same shirt, so what are the odds? What are the odds? My friend! Lunga's ego shrinks in front of the SA gymnastics team. I'm gonna go cry in the bottom right now. And Boiti reveals her dark side. I've always had a dream of being a serial killer. <laughs> That's all on the next episode of The Man Cave, Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. on SABC3. The SABC has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that's fair, and programming that is not harmful, does not amount to hate speech or violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the BCCSA, P.O. Box 412-365, Craig Hall 2024. That's the BCCSA, P.O. Box 412-365, Craig Hall 2024. Send a fax to 011-326-3198 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit bccsa. SAFM leading the conversation. Welcome back. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. We're taking your calls on 0891-104-207. The question we're trying to get answers is why do terrorists choose Islam? Why do take note? We've made a very clear introduction. No one wants to waste time on trying to point out that there are other faiths that do this. We've already made that clarification already. We just need to understand about Islam. What is it that people find it easier to choose Islam? Knowing very well that there are other faiths and non-religious communities that engage in, well, terrorist acts. So I want to bring in the Mulana, Mulana Sayed, Aftar Bahida. Your take, Mulana. Uh, thank you. I will agree fully with my colleague, uh, Smile, what he said and the way he explained. I would like to add quickly one or two more points. Number one, that, of course, the political scenario and the situation which we're facing in our times also plays an important role. 
the challenges which Muslims across the world they are facing, and uh, the challenges which they are facing in their own countries by their own rulers, supported by West fully, and while they are dictators and have absolutely no respect for human rights or concern for their people, and regarded these Muslim communities as representatives of the West, resistance against these rulers and their influence is, of course, sometimes provides that ground for the justification of any type of violence or extremism in their struggle for their own rights. That is another very important point to note. Uh, I don't think any other community more than Muslim community across the world facing challenges of occupation, and especially the Palestinian issue, which is the heart of problems, not only in the Middle East, but across the world, and it has effect everywhere. Naturally, all these issues, and then you have occupation of Iraq, and then you have occupation of Afghanistan, then you have situation in Yemen, then you have situation in different parts of the world. All that provides ground for a group of people who exploit these situations uh, to their own favor and promote extremism, or, for example, uh, to a certain matter, which is, of course, not Islamically accepted. At the same time, also, we should understand that the definition of terrorism and definition of extremism or definition of violence is another very important question, uh, that why any type of resistance by people who are left with no option but to resist for their rights, for their land, for refugees, for example, to come back to their own land. If they resist and they stand for their rights, they are labeled immediately terrorists. They are labeled immediately you know, violent and extremist. I'm, of course, not supporting any violence or any extremist methodology in the struggle for the rights and freedom, but at the same time, people have right to fight for their freedom and their rights anywhere in the world against their rulers or influence of the Western powers in different parts of the world, especially in the Muslim world. So these two important points I would like to add, which of course has created a scenario and situation where Terrorism and Islam or extremism in Islam have been uh, closely knitted and always uh, have to be attached together. All right. I want us to get down to the facts of what we're talking about, gentlemen, and I want us to go to the texts themselves that have been quoted by many people arguing against Islam, suggesting that Islam in and by itself is propagating and encouraging violence. And I'm sure you've heard of these texts. Yusuf, as a student of theology, and many theologians will tell you, what what do they call them, Yusuf? Sword verses? They call them verses of the sword. Yeah. Yeah. And I've dealt with this um, over over many, many years. Yes, I want us to deal with those texts. I want want to quote those texts so that those who are listening may be able to read for themselves. I'm going to read them out loud Mm -hmm. on the radio. One of the texts, famous texts that have been used as a verse of the sword, or sword verse, is Surah chapter 2. Two, that's Surah 2 or Chapter 2, mm-hmm. and it's 191. The verse is 191. Mm-hmm. Um, forgive me, I don't know what a verse is in uh, Arabic, but Surah uh, 2, 191. It reads, and slay them 
wherever you catch them, and turn them out from where they have turned you out. For tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter, but fight them not at the sacred mosque, unless they first fight you there. But if they fight you, slay them. Such is the reward of those who suppress faith. That's one text, chapter 2, verse 191. And the second one I'd like to read for you is chapter 9, Surah 9, verse 5. It reads, But when the forbidden months are past, then fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them, and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every strait of war. But if they repent and establish regular prayers and practice regular charity, then open the way for them, for Allah is all forgiving, most merciful. Before I move on to other texts, I'd like you to respond to these. Please be brief, um, Yusuf. Um, these texts clearly propagate and they suggest that this is supported by Allah, that there must be slaying of those that break oaths, those that are unbelievers. They must be, people must lie in wait. And suggesting an ambush of sorts. Those who attack you, attack them back. Be as brutal, beleaguer them. It uses the, the phrase beleaguer them. That surely does sound like a measure of terrorism as we see it today. Yusuf? Yeah, well, well certainly, Naya. If you basically atomize the text, when you look at the Quranic verse, you need to look at the text and you, look, you need to look at the context, which is the surrounding verses around it. So, and the fundamental principle of Quranic exegesis is that the verse must be understood in the context in which they were revealed. Now, look at Surah 2, verse 191, which you quoted. You never quoted Surah 2, verse 190, 191, and 192. If you look at Surah 2, starting from verse 190, it says, Fight in, the, yes. in God's cause against those who wage war against you. But it says, quite critically, the conditional statement, do not commit aggression against them, for verily God does not love aggressors. And then it goes on to say, um, as you pointed out, slay them wherever you find them. But what's the verse which comes after? It says, and if they desist from fighting against you, behold, God is much for giving a dispense of grace. So at the very outset, when you look at Surah 2, verse 191, but read in context of Surah 2, verse 190 and 193, it says that the verse, in fact, lays down unequivocally that only self-defense in the widest sense of the word can make war permissible against Muslims, because the Quran would not then say, fight in God's cause against those who wage war against you, but do not commit aggression. So in other words, the slain part, which you've obviously read, and which you sometimes atomize and taken out of context, refers specifically against those who wage war against you. And there are conditions laid down to it. For example, in, of course, a just war theory exists in Islam, but in Islam you were never allowed to kill innocent people, never torture prisoners of war, animals, destroy crops, infrastructure, and so on. So again, I need to point out, look at the context. Look at Surah 9, verse 5, which you basically pointed out. Surah 9, verse 5, in fact, starts from verse 1, which in fact dealt with a peace treaty that the Muslims entered into with the pagans. The pagans were repeatedly breaking the treaty, and what subsequently happened leading up to Surah 9, verse 5, was that God in the Quran declares an immunity necessitated by peace treaty, by, by, by repeated treaty violations by the pagans. So the verse which in fact leads up to Surah 9 verse 5 is found in a further verse, Surah 9 verse 13 and 9 verse 8, which says, Will you not fight people who, number one, broke their oaths, that's a peace treaty, number two, aimed at the expulsion of the prophet and you, and number three, attacked you first? You fear them, but God is more right that you should fear him if you are believers. So, reading that context, Surah 9, verse 5, is historically specific. 
and deals, and it's important to note this because people atomize this, and maybe extremists might use this. I haven't seen all of them using it or using it, but they atomize this that Surah 9 verse 5, where it deals with slay the pagans, not unbelievers, the pagans, wherever you find them, it's already revealed in the context of an existing warfare, that you had a peace treaty with pagan tribes. There were certain pagan tribes that kept up the peace treaty. You were not to fight against them. But those pagan tribes that repeatedly violated the peace treaty attacked you first, led to expulsion. In that context, you are to fight them. But it doesn't stop there, Naya, because if you look at Surah 9, verse 5, Surah 9, verse 6, leading up to Surah 9, verse 5, even in the context of an existing warfare, it says, and if any of the pagans who in Surah 9, verse 5, you're commanded to fight, who broke the treaty, seeks your protection in the context of warfare. Protect him till he hears the word of God. And if not, then convey him to a safe and secure environment. This is because there are people who do not know. So again, it's important, and this is a point I've made all the time in my discussions with you, is that we should not engage in an atomistic interpretation of Scripture. If, for example, yeah. I were to say, kill Naya Lupongwanda, I'll sound like a killer. But if I were to say, shoot Naya Lupongwanda, if he takes arms and starts attacking your family, can you see the context? So if it says, for example, the Quran says, if someone quoted, fight unbelievers, it may sound very aggressive. But if it basically qualifies it by saying, fight those who fight against you or commit aggression against you, that provides a context. So in any scriptural reference, it's important that we need to look at the text, the context, and only when you look at the intertextual and contextual interpretation of the Quran or the Bible or any other religious scripture for that matter, you can basically come to its true uh, and holistic meaning. And so that's why I would argue, don't make the mistake that some people would make atomized scripture, because what you would do is you would use it, manipulate it for your own agenda, and not surprisingly, those Islamophobes who portray the idea that Islam is violent, they actually are on the same uh, support group as Bin Laden, because Bin Laden would say the same thing, yes, it is violent, and those people who are criticizing Islam, saying Islam is violent, so they're both in the same camp. Right. And they justify their position by twisting and manipulating Ooh. Quranic verses. All right. Oh, 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 this is not really... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, that, quite frankly, I want us to pick up from there. I was hoping we wouldn't have to waste time on this part. This is the mm -hmm. part that I would like us to clarify, gentlemen, that when we say somebody is against you, when yeah. I sit here and hold a view that is against yours, and I hold views that don't share your views, in modern day society, we don't kill people who oppose us in views. Absolutely not. By cannot, definition, hold on yourself, hold on. By definition, when you're going to justify the killing of pagans as though pagans are a group of people that are fair game for killing if they are against your views, that is by definition what the whole world is, or at least the democratic world, is railing against. I want us to read the definition of a pagan because I imagine that would have to waste time on this. A pagan, by definition, is a person holding religious beliefs other than those of the, man, the main world religions. Now, take note. In our country, South Africa, and many other democratic communities around the world, there are many people who don't hold the same views as Muslims, whether it's, it's, it's Christians, whether it is people who are agnostics, they hold views that are not the same. And quite frankly, they are against Islam. But the fact that there are people who are against Islam doesn't mean you should kill them. And that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. You're missing the point. 
the Quran is not uh, telling you to kill pagans. It's dealing with specifically the Meccan pagans who were engaged in warfare against the Prophet in the early periods of Islam. And I spoke specifically that Surah 9 verse 5 historically dealt with that particular time period. So if anyone uses that verse today in the 21st century and wants to kill people on the basis that they are allegedly pagans, will be basically engaging in a grotesque misrepresentation of the Quranic text, because there's absolutely no verse in the Quran which allows you to engage in sanguinary warfare or mass murder against anyone who has a view or belief different to yours. And I think that's clear in the Quran. The Quran I says, read it if again. you kill a human being, it's as if you have killed all humanity. And if you have saved the life of a human being, it's as if you have saved the lives of all humanity. All right. I want to read that. Hold on, hold on. Yusuf, 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 Yusuf uh, please, let's not ramble. We have one hour. I want to read the text that you said I have omitted so that the listener can be able to understand where you're coming from, from the very text you said I have omitted. I want to go back to 190. You comfortable with 190? This is Surah, yeah, cha- sure. Surah 2. That's chapter 2 in the Quran. And I'm, I'm going to read from 190. I'm going to read it right up until verse four, 194. It reads, yes. this is 190, fight in the cause of Allah, those who fight you, but do not transgress limits for Allah yes. l- love Allah love not transgressors. 191. And slay them wherever you catch them and turn them out from where they have turned you out. For tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter. But fight them not at the sacred mosque unless they first fight you there. But if they fight you, slay them. Such is the reward of those who suppress faith. Faith. 192. Take note, verse 191 says, such is the reward of those who suppress faith. Now, verse 192 says, but if they seize, Allah is often forgiven, most merciful, 193, and fight them on until there is no more tumult or oppression, and there prevail justice and faith in Allah. But if they seize, let there be no hostility except to those who practice oppression. Verse 194. So, so now, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're still reading. Hold on, hold on, Yusuf. Let's read it. Hold on, let's read up until 194. 194 says, The prohibited month of the prohibited month, and so for all things prohibited, there is the law of equality. If then anyone transgresses the prohibition against you, transgress you likewise against him. But fear Allah and know that Allah is with those who restrain themselves. Take note, the explanation that you have given us does not appear in this surah. The explanation that comes in this surah is the transgression or suppression of faith and the prohibitions and the offenses against faith and the month of which it is practiced something in faith. It says absolutely nothing about what you have explained right now. And I'm not, I'm not opposing any extra textual explanation, but we can't allege that that is in the text. Could I just respond to what you said? Because you gave a lengthy explanation. You want to debate this publicly. We can do it publicly. But this is what you've pointed out clearly. Fighting God's cause in your translation against those who wage war against you, but do not transgress limits. In actual fact, do not commit aggression. What is aggressive warfare? When I engage in fighting someone who does not basically engage in any form of oppressive conduct against me. Now, historically, the Meccan pagans in the 6th century were engaged in oppressive warfare against the early Muslim community. In that context, the Quran says, fighting God's cause, those who are against engage in warfare against you. Yusuf, but do not does that appear in the Quran? You... Sorry? That explanation 
does the, of these tribes you're alleging were pro, uh, engaged in oppressive regimes, does that appear the in the Quran? It's part of the historical tradition. I'm going to ask if you, you again, Yusuf. Islam, Yusuf. It's part of the tafsir literature. Does it appear classical in the Quran? Let me finish the point now. No, 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 no Yusuf. Yusuf, Yusuf, hold on, hold on. And Remember, we have very little time. I need you to answer the question. Does yeah. that explanation appear in the Quran? It does. It does appear in the Quran. Right, show us where. It does appear in the Quran. If you look, for example, it appears numerous pages in the Quran. Show me, if please. If you look, for example, oh, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you right now. If you look, for example, at Surah 22, verse 67, which clarifies the particular passage, Surah 22, verse 67, which deals with the issue of fighting, um, it says, for example, Surah 60, verse 8, God forbids you not with regards to those who do not fight you on account of your faith, nor did they drive you out of your homes, that you may deal justly and kindly with them, for God loves those who are prone to justice. Then in Surah 22, verse 39, permission is only given to those to fight on whom war is being waged or under attack because they are oppressed. And surely God is able to assist them. Surah 22, verse 39 to 40, Surah, 2 verse, uh, Surah 60, verse 8, all in relation to the same historical paradigm which dealt with the fact that the early Muslim community was sustaining severe persecution by the Meccan pagans. Right. Now, can can I remind you again, Yusuf? From the history in which it was evolved. Now, if I'm giving you passages which explain that, why are you choosing to deny that? I remind you again. I need you to, you to pay attention. Approach, not basically allowing the Quranic text to speak for itself. And I think um, you need to do that. Yusuf, now. I'm going to remind you again. This is the last time I'm going to remind you, Yusuf. I have requested that you give us a text that is going to explain the explain, give us the explanation on Surah 2, which you are surah alleging is... Surah 22, verse 39. I gave you Surah 22, verse 39, which deals specifically with Surah 2, verse 190, because it dealt with the same historical paradigm. Surah 22, verse 39, Surah 60, verse 8. All right. This surah is, this verse is what I was asking for, uh, Yusuf. When surah we... Yusuf? Surah 22 verse Yusuf? 39 now, yeah, in relation to Surah 2 verse 190 about the fight by the pagans. Yusuf, this is really, really bothersome. Again, when we are going to say this Surah 22 is explaining Surah 2, do we have any directive from the Quran that says this is explaining that? We have a lot of people who are alleging all of what has been alleged, but we have not found correlations between the texts we hear people using extra textual explanations and i have no Nye, problem Nye, with Nye, these being Nye, extra Nye, Nye, but if we are going hold on no, hold on yusuf all right let's bring in the mulana mulana i need um to to help us guide us as far as this is concerned because we have these texts that no, have been quoted one, time one and time again given by you uh, uh, by yusuf i would like to add something more principle rather going in detail the problem is scripture if you want to take scriptures literally without taking context and historical background an interpretation, what we call it, tafsir, and the story behind an explanation, then not only Quranic scripture is problematic in understanding in this manner, then biblical scriptures also have similar, but in fact sometimes worse than these problems. If you take the scripture 
and without its context and without understanding. That's number one. Number two, Quran, uh, you cannot take one verse and leave the holistic approach of Quran, the whole message of Quran, because the particular verse was revealed in a particular background, and naturally the command which was revealed was confined to a particular background with a particular conditions. It does not give a generalized principle and broad spectrum principle. And therefore, what I would like to say and comment that let us look at the history. Let us look at the realities and the truth of the history which is there in front of us. That did Islam act exactly the way it is understood literally from these verses which you have read, for example, of chapter number two of Surah 2. That is a serious challenge. It's never happened. In fact, the minorities, in fact, the non-believers felt most safe and secure in the Islamic uh, societies and kingdom. That, that's a reality on the history, of, of history which, which you cannot deny. Mulana, can I, can I, can I yes. just point out these few points? Uh, just two, mm-hmm. actually. That while you are giving us this explanation, and I'm perfectly comfortable with it, however... Mm-hmm. We are dealing with what appears in the Quran and this can be explainable using the Quran. When we are right. looking at Surah 2, we right. find explanations that are not in Surah 2. When we look at Surah 22, it doesn't mm. point us to Surah 2. Quite frankly, it makes no reference to Surah 2. And when you and Yusuf and any other teacher of the scripture of Islam would bring these two together. They are bringing these two together using history. Fair enough. But that history does not appear in the Quran. Accusations, therefore, that are pointing to the Quran are pointing out the fact that this context that you're bringing does not appear in the Quran. It appears elsewhere. You bring it outside there and you explain the texts in the Quran. And that's what we're trying to establish here. That that's a if you're using any scripture, very well. Scripture does not have a problem like I would offer you you two faiths that don't have that problem, but that is not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Islam. Quite frankly, if I would have... These verses were revealed in the particular historical background. I have no problem with that. Again, I understand, Mulana. Uh, the commands which are given can we agree Mulana, which were revealed there, that the history that you're sh- limitations Mulana, I understand that I want us to just agree because I don't want us to push a line here I want us to agree mm-hmm. that while you may have a context which is fair and good that context does not appear in the Quran this is something that you're bringing outside the Quran can we agree at least on that? Yeah, Mullah. but then the same context we can understand with the help of other verses of Quran itself. I have no because problem Quran with that. Quran interprets Quran. The principle of a book, you, you, you can never uh, look at verses of Quran without looking and without considering the other verses of Quran. I Not understand. only in this point, let me, just, let me just come in quickly. Not only in this issue or on this subject or in this topic, any other topics, any other... Our theological discussions, which has nothing to do with violence or anything like that. But for example, an issue of monotheism, tawhid, believing in God, and believing in God, which is beyond matter. For example, if you want to understand that particular concept of God of, in Quran, 
we have to put all the verses of Quran together to understand the real or the comprehensive concept of that which Quran presents. But if you look at one or two uh, verses, you will never be able to understand the concept of God, for example, which Quran is presenting. All right. And I'm, I'm just giving you an example. That's how the nature of Quran is. And I think this is the nature of all, all right. the scriptures. Even Old or New Testament, you want to look at that. If you look at those scriptures, partially some of those are very problematic. If you look at them just on them without any context, without looking at other scriptures, all right. I want to take a break. We're going to come back and I'll take some calls because we need to engage robust debate as always. 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. The question we're asking is why do terrorists choose Islam? Why do terrorists choose Islam? You're listening to Facts of Faith. The 2018 National Arts Festival in Grahamstown is jam-packed with more music, more theatre, more dance and more amazing than ever before. And SAFM will be there in full force from the 28th of June till the 8th of July. It's South Africa's iconic arts event. Make this the year that you experience amazing. Book your tickets now by visiting nationalartsfestival.co.za or visit safm.co.za. SAFM, bringing you the 2018 Iconic Arts Event. I'm often told by society to be strong and not to cry, <laughs> because men don't cry. But when I listen closely to the powers that be, I always hear about the girl child. And yes, while I agree that they need intensive interventions, what about me? I mean, I should also contribute to the future, right? But I'm just a boy child. Who's going to empower me? Love life. Powering the future. This is an SABC Foundation initiative. Hashtag SAFM. Facts of faith. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayelo Pondor, and conversation with our guests tonight. We're talking to... Um, an issue that is very unpleasant to talk about because it touches the faith. And you'll always hear this, especially with the faith that we're talking about right now, which is Islam. We have Yusuf Ismail and also Mulana Sayed Aftaba Haider. Now, we'll take some calls for you, gentlemen. Please be brief as you can. 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. going to begin with Bashir and Linasia. Bashir, good evening. Hi, Naya. Hi, go ahead, uh, Bashir. Yes. Uh, Naya, look, firstly, people tend to forget that uh, Islam, Quranic Islam is 1,500 years old, and for over 1,000 years, Islam was a dominant civilization, and uh, you know, this would not have been possible uh, if you know, people had the interpretation which, uh, of the Quran, which you know, I think you or perhaps other people might say they do. Um, so th- th- that's very important. The most pluralistic society uh, in history, first, was the Ottoman Empire, you know, uh, the Turkish Ottoman Empire, they were also Muslim. Uh, as regards the text that you quote, I don't think we need to appeal to history, uh, Naye, and I'm sure you will agree in, uh, to, to this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 190, it's very clear. Fight in the cause of God those who fight you. So in other words, self-defense. Uh, Muslims were being persecuted for their faith at the time, and they were being slaughtered for their faith, and the Quran commands Muslims, uh, or gives Muslims permission to defend themselves. And the Quran again reminds them that do not transgress limits. 
for God does not love the transgressors. And the Quran reminds him again in verse uh, uh, 193 that, uh, you know, uh, fight them until there is no more oppression. And uh, if they cease, uh, let there be no hostility except under those who practice oppression and violence. So, you know, uh, it's in the words, are in the text, and all we need to do is take those words seriously. If we ignore those words, then I think, you know, uh, we're going to have a problem, as I think many people who study the Quran, perhaps with a jaundiced eye, have. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate your call, Bashir. Let's move on to our next caller. Can I see Joey? All right. Okay, Joey is... All right. All right. Rabia, are you still there? Rabia? Yes, I'm here. All right, go ahead, Rabia. Okay, suicide bombing is forbidden in Islam. Oh, he who believes, do not kill yourself, for truly Allah has been to you most mercy. If any do that in record and injustice, soon shall be cast into the fire. Surah 4, verse 29. Chapter Surah 4. Uh, verse 29 to 30, the taking of life is allowed only by ways of justice. Example, the death penalty for murder. But even that, forgiveness is better, not taking life, which Allah has made secret except for justice. Surah 17, verse 33. I have two more from the Bible, if you don't mind. I'll just give you. It says there, and slay them not before me. Luke 19, verse 27. Not that I have come to send peace on earth, not to send peace, but a sword. Matthew 10, verse 34. Thank you. Uh, Rabia, thank you. Okay. Uh, I want us to uh, get some clarity now. Um, Yusuf, again, I'm going to caution you. Please be brief in your responses. We have 10 minutes to, to, to go on this conversation. Now, is it fair for anyone, um, for example, to say, based on what we have received right now from Mulana and yourself, Yusuf, that there is no one who would ever be able to receive the full strength and the full actuality of Islam if they are to read the Quran alone. Because the Quran alone doesn't give you the answers that now we have heard from Mulana and Yusuf uh, that say that you need to find the history of it all. So effectively, that adage that says Quran explains Quran is not in actual fact true, Yusuf. Not entirely. If you look at the previous caller, I think Bashir, when he basically explained Surah 2 verse 190, and he read it, and if you look at Surah 2 and verse 190, um, regardless, even if you don't know the historical background of Surah 2 verse 190, if you read it outside as an outside observer, you cannot come to any other conclusion that that particular verse lays down unequivocally that only self-defense in the widest sense is basically permissible for Muslims. I may point the fact, you know, when you asked me earlier on, and I don't want to behold, you know, go into again Surah 2 verse 190, but you asked me the question, what are the passages in the Quran, in fact, explains Surah 2 verse 190. Well, let me just give you an explanation. In the Quran, you have different stories about different events and verses which are revealed stories of Moses in this book, 
chapter and another chapter and so on. So Surah 2 verse 190 was revealed in Medina. Surah 22 was also revealed in Medina. And both those verses, in fact, deal with the same events. In other words, if you look at the surrounding verses leading up to Surah 2 verse 190, 91, and 93, and the surrounding verses leading up to Surah 22 verse 39 and 40, they both effectively deal with the same event. So even if you do not know the history, in Surah 22 verse 39, when it says permission is only given to those on whom war is being waged or under attack because they are oppressed, that is clear. <laughs> you, need no, you need no explanation surrounding that. And that basically relates to the fact that defensive fighting is allowed for the oppressed. You basically are allowed to fight in the way of God, those who fight against you, but you are not allowed to be the aggressor. You are basically allowed to fight in protection of other people. You are basically allowed to fight in Surah 4, verse 75, fighting the cause of God and of the utterly oppressed men, women, and children who are crying, I will sustain and lead us forth into freedom and from tyranny and oppression. So historically speaking, let's assume you divorce a historical context, which does in fact exist in other secondary material. Let's assume you divorce that entire. Reading the Quran on its own can lead you to the conclusion that only peace and fighting and just war is allowed in the context of inherent oppression and in the context of inherent sanguinary warfare. I can't see how someone could come to another conclusion unless, of course, you twist, you manipulate, and you atomize a text where you basically just simply quote a single verse, a single particular uh, passage, and divorce the rest. Effectively, that's we have we have, we have read the that, text that, that you had wired us. To the question, yeah. But remember, we have read the text that you claimed will explain this, and it does not. I want to I want to bring but, in this but, but, issue. But, 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 the Mulana, to, hold on, Yusuf. There's a Mulana here. What do you understand by that? Now, if I say fight, Yusuf, Naya, if he okay. fights you, let's what bring it let's let's bring in Mulana. I I really would appreciate the fact that we have two guests here, Yusuf. You cannot monopolize the time. Mulana, I need you to help us understand now we have Surah 9. I'm going to read these verses right up until 5 so that you can give again the explanation because the allegation is if you read the verses beforehand, you'll get some explanation. Let's find out what Surah 9, verse 1 up until 5, and the verse at issue is verse 5. I'm going to begin with verse 1. It reads, A declaration of immunity from Allah is apostle to those of the pagans with whom they have contracted mutual alliances. Verse 2, you go then for four months backwards and forwards as you will throughout the land, but know that you cannot frustrate Allah, but your falsehood, but that I will cover with shame those who reject him. Verse 3, and an announcement from Allah and his apostle to the people assembled on the day of the great pilgrimage that Allah and his apostle dissolved treaty obligations with the pagans. If then you repent, if were best for you but if you turn away you should you should know that you cannot frustrate Allah and proclaim a grievous chastisement to those who reject faith verse 5 take note those who reject faith Verse 4, but the treaties are not dissolved with those pagans with whom you have entered into alliance and who have not subsequently failed you in anything nor aided anyone against you. So fulfill your agreements with them to the end of their term, for Allah loves the righteous. Verse 5, but when the forbidden months are past, then fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them, beleaguer them and lie in wait for them in every strait of war but if they repent and establish regular prayers and practice regular charity then open the way for them for Allah is often forgiven most merciful kindly clarify this part Molana. 
Again, it is exactly the same which was explained earlier. I don't think there's something different here. That this is in the ground of those pagans who have a contract and a treaty with Muslims, and then those who stayed with their <coughs> contract or treaty signed with the Muslims, and those who broke up. So effective. Also, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. It's 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 very simple approach in the sense that if you stand, if you, you know, follow what we have agreed upon between two parties, we also will respect and we also are, uh, you know, bound and committed to what we agreed. But if you break, then naturally just due to because it's not an issue of difference of opinion or difference of faith only or being pagan only, but it's a matter of principle that what we agreed if you break that limit... So effectively, to... if I understand you well, Mulana, you're suggesting that when mm-hmm. people break their contracts with you, the only resolve mm-hmm. and resolution to the matter is slaying them. There is no jurisprudence no, no, that could no, be employed no, no. That, that is, to adjudicate. No, no, that's not what is being said. That's slaying them in response of their attack. Because but here, in, the, in, in Surah break? 9, it makes no mention of attacks. No, 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 no. Because, again, unfortunately, not everything has been literally pronounced like that. But clearly, when we're speaking about breaking, when they are saying breaking the treaty means what? They are attacking Muslims. It means they are conspiring. It means that they are living inside the Muslim community, the agents of the enemies, to destabilize their state as a treason. All right. It, it's, it's a matter of, you see, there's another very important issue which we are missing here in understanding of Quran is the terminology. When we use word kafir, for example, or non-believer, when we use word pagan or mushrik, for example, or when we use the people who have an agreement or a treaty with us, and those words, these uh, you know, terms require a great deal of explanation with the historical understanding and background which is, of course, an important part of understanding of Quran. We, we cannot understand, as I said, this is script without that. So when we're referring to breaking of treaty, means that they are violently involved in breaking this treaty. They are uh, practically involved in undermining Islam and Islamic system and state. All and right. naturally, there's a repercussion to that. All right. I want to read a text message. Uh, one, and I'm going to give Yusuf an opportunity to... Uh, should I even give Yusuf because we've got one minute remaining and he doesn't seem to be able to speak <laughs> succinctly. One text message reads, Logic tells me that these terrorists are merely evil opportunists who justify their mm. acts using Islam. That's Stima in KZN. And Stima is a Christian. He puts there in brackets Christian. Uh, <laughs> Yusuf, please be brief. We have one minute remaining. I'll give you the parting shot. Go. No, I didn't get your question. Yusuf, no, I, I, I was bringing in Yusuf. Um, do we okay. still have Yusuf? Quick, quick, quickly, no, quickly, no. The Quran does not advocate or condone terrorism. You'd have to atomize scripture, quote it out of context to basically read a verse, basically denoting violence. You asked the question at the beginning of the show, why do extremists choose Islam? That's not entirely true. Anders Breivich, who killed people in Norway, didn't choose Islam, he chose Christianity. The Ku Klux Klan, the Lord's Resistance Army, Om Shirin Kiyo, 
all these particular mm-hmm. groups in Africa, in different parts of the world, the Crusaders, they never chose Islam. They chose the other religion. They chose Christianity. And I think what this basically shows is that anybody can manipulate any religious system or ideology to justify his oppressive and aggressive agenda. At the end of the day, the Quran says that the worshippers of all the merciful are those who tread gently upon the earth, and if anyone humiliates them, they are to reply peace. The Quran right. says, oh, you believe, enter absolutely into peace completely. Right. Our time is How up. How do you yeah. intend to please right. by means of Yusuf, violence? We're going to end our conversation on that very note. Thank you very much to both of our guests. That's what, that was our question for this evening. Why? And effectively, I don't know whether now Yusuf has nullified our future question about Christians and other faiths that have been used as terrorist tools. Uh, but then again, I suppose... Uh, yeah, it's 8 o'clock. From me, Nayelu Pondwana and the team, thank you very much to Yusuf. Uh, what? Okay, I thought something was happening there. All right, thank you very much to uh, the team and Mulana Yisayed Aftal Haider. Thank you very much, Yusuf Ismail. Thank you very much. From me, Nayelu Pondwana and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed. It's time for the news at 8 o'clock with Gregory Khos.